1: Uh, Wine, but find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking
0: for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch, and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
2: And go ball in the air, deep right center go. field.
0: Two-run home run.
2: Trevor Story. Way back. Myers. Oh, watch it go, watch it. field.
1: Take a good look. You won't see it for long.
2: I don't want to lose your love. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast, presented today by the Blake Street Tavern, where we are right now. I'm currently sitting here with Manny Rondawa of MLB.com and StatCast, and our good friend Jake Story from John Boy... No, have you changed the John Boy and Jake Productions? John Boy
3: Media is the, the umbrella, and then everything else falls under there. Talking Yanks, talking baseball... All sorts of podcasts and
2: different you, different stuff. You know, him as our resident Yankees Rockies expert. It might be the uh, if
3: you know John Boy, I'm the other guy. <laughs> I'll take that all
2: day. I love that, right? John Boy in the news these days, but yeah. we'll we'll talk yeah, about that we'll a little there, bit sure. a little bit later. We do want to focus today on uh, Manny's book, "The Blake Street Bombers." I think perfectly titled. Uh, I know exactly what it's about. I grew up in the Colorado. Area. The two of you did not, and I, I think it'll just be interesting to have a conversation about yeah. this memorable group of players uh, from the Rockies' burgeoning years, absolutely, uh, as it were. And so the book comes out on Monday, yes. right? Wow. As, as we're uh, talking about this, it's going to be available assume,
1: Amazon.com. So go to Amazon.com and just type Blake Street Bombers. It'll be the first result you see. Can't miss it. Um, yeah. And it'll be available in uh, on any device that you can imagine, and, and also on uh, by paperback. And they'll do what Amazon does, which is they'll send it to you. So. <laughs>
2: and then uh, we're going to plan on doing at least one uh, signing party. Have you guys come out here, uh, either Blake Street Tavern or one of our other uh, favorite sponsors around here? But we're going to uh, plan on doing some uh, fun event stuff. Uh, for you guys uh, around Manny's book. We're going to be very excited. I'll probably be writing a review of it for everybody uh, at some point. That'll be fun. But I actually want to begin this conversation away from Larry Walker because.
1: Okay. We'd, we'd get bogged down,
2: I think, if we start. <laughs> and we've just. You had an event uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I think now at this point. Uh, we talked about that on the podcast. We wrote about it. Everyone listening to this knows the case for Larry Walker. Yes. And it, I, I think at this point it's just about getting the word out and trying to convince as many people as possible. So I really want to take a step back and focus on them as a group and and hear from both of you. I'll ask it this broadly. What is the legacy of the Blake street bombers? Because I think some people hear that and they think of this joke time of Colorado (laughs) pre-humidor baseball where the numbers didn't count. Anybody could become a star, even Dante
1: Bichette. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, um, You know, I I wrote this toward the end of the book. Um, The ones through the wall first are always the ones that get bloodied, right? And we still see it today with the Rockies, with Rockies hitters being slighted um, because of their home ballpark and nobody taking into account the fact that when they go on the road, you know, as Dante said, um, and this is in the book, he said, you know, we see a a curveball for the first time, a breaking ball for the first time in two weeks. Um, And then by the time we get accustomed, we're back home. Um, there's, it's not a coincidence that virtually every Rockies team has hit poorly on the road in the 27 seasons of its history. Uh, I think I took uh, 800 seasons, team seasons. So basically from 93 to now, there have been 800 team seasons. So every team multiplied by 27 years. Um, tw- or 27, the, the 27 seasons. And out of those 800, um, I think eight, uh, 18 of the 27 Rockies years um, in that group are in the bottom 25% on the road. So uh, So they're not just not bad personnel. at hitting on the road.
2: They're the worst road-hitting team of all time. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll, 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 we'll say that. We'll say we'll that. As, as a, yeah. Through their entire history of their organization. In terms of consistently bad, yes.
1: I would say they're the worst. And um, so it's
2: often been stated that either one of two things is true there. Right? Exactly. Either they just legitimately have
1: bad hitters and always have. right, Or something's going on. And which one do you believe? Do you believe that, that they have had Todd Helton and Matt Holliday, and now they have Arenado and Story, and they've had um, great players throughout, great hitters throughout their 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 history, and yet, and, and yet, you're telling me that all of these uh, teams annually fail on the road, basically. Um, so anyway, the legacy of the Blake Street Bombers is is um, it's multifaceted, but. One of the one of the legacies is they went through that wall first. They dealt with it first. Um, they were pre-Humidor. Uh, Dante, uh, there was one time where Dante had hit, I think at the, at the All-Star break in 95, when he, um, you know, a lot of people think he should have been the MVP that year. Uh, Barry Larkin was, was awarded the MVP. Um, he had 13 home runs at the break, and none of them were on the road. And so obviously, you know, everyone started pouncing on him. And he said, um, and these the, here, here are the kinds of insights that you'll get in this book. He said that Don Baylor wanted him to talk to a sports psychiatrist um, because of, I don't know if it was more about the media scrutiny or if it was more about, you know, not hitting on the road or whatever. But um, then, he, then then, two weeks later, after the All-Star break, he had three homers in like five days on the road. You know, so it's not that, the, that these guys are not capable. It's, it's um, there's an external... Um, there's an external f- uh, factor here, and that is that when you go on the road and you come down from altitude, not only are you seeing different breaks on pitches, you're probably being pitched differently because they're they're laying off. You're going to see more fastballs at home because the, the breaking wall, balls are flat, and you're going to um, see more breaking pitches on the road. So you go on the road, what happens? You're going to be maybe... Swinging a little bit too much, maybe a little bit anxious and tight because you're missing everything that's a breaking pitch. So that's part of the legacy. The other part of the legacy is, and this is huge, they were the first stars, major league stars in Colorado. We had so many guys pass through here, you know, in the minors for decades. Excuse me, Tim Raines, Barry Larkin, we just talked about him, Earl Weaver. You know, I mean, there's a lot. There's an interesting Tony LaRussa, You know, lots of people, uh, Terry Francona. A lot of people came through Denver uh, through the minor leagues here. But they, you know, they come here, they play baseball, then they move on. These were the first major league stars. The Marlins didn't have that. The Marlins had so much turnover, so fast. Gary Sheffield and Jim uh, or, uh, Jeff Conine were the only guys from the 93 inaugural lineup that were there in 96. So if you think about it, the Rockies had this group, this cool five slugger group, the Bombers, and they had this cool name. <clears throat> That's the other thing about the book is you'll see where the name came from because there's a lot of misinformation out there and we're going to clear that up. Um, and it's a cool story. So that's that's just part of their legacy, scratching the surface. But I think those are the two main things. So. Jake, for you,
2: <coughs> coming at it from a, a different perspective, obviously, what do you remember when you think about that group of guys?
3: Well, for me, uh, it's obviously, it's a different time period. I've I've mentioned it on the podcast before. This might be some people seeing me for the first time. I'm now, I'm 30 going on 15. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, right. Yeah. I, I hit the three zero, but... I mean, you know, back then I'm obviously a kid, and we made some Derek Jeter jokes before this, and obviously that's part we of we my got, baseball We run. got that out of the we, way, yeah, got, they, <laughs> or so we think. They pinned me for a little bit, and now it's good. Um, I don't know, man. I, you just, you remember the Colorado Rockies, and uh, what I was going to ask you when, when you started talking there was, did everyone just assume, like, altitude out of the gate? Like, I, that's what I don't understand. That's a like, good question. When, when the Rockies... When they started, was it before the season, like, were there articles that right. the altitude, like, watch out for these guys? Like, was that initially everyone assumed that was going to happen, or did they start hitting a little bit, and then people were like, hey, uh, oh, it's the altitude. They're like, yeah. what? I, I don't know what assumptions were going on.
1: Chicken the and time. the egg yeah. issue, right? Um, I, I think it's the latter. It's, okay. There was a lot of minor league baseball here, but you wouldn't find all that much about the altitude because in the minor leagues it's like who cares you know minor leagues are there for you to tune up and actually you should you should <laughs> care you know you should care because these guys are being affected right. um, you know when they go up go to the big leagues because they were pitching altitude there's the whole mental aspect of it everything else um, but compared with you know having a major league team here where there's going to be a lot more scrutiny after that first year it was enough it's like oh my goodness look at all the run scoring here this is ridiculous and I mean we weren't even in cores yet we were it was mile high. Mile high would have been the refrain if they hadn't had cores. It was just right. mile high, mile high, mile high. Second baseman
2: opens up the thing by hitting a home run. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah. He pops the ball up and it goes over the fence. <laughs> yeah, That's what yeah, so
1: I think it. I think it's just out of experience. Um, the country figuring out that um, Denver is a place where there's going to be a lot of offense. And, and then as the years progressed, it just got... Um, solidified in people's minds I think that's what I
3: and the the thing I'll use to kind of win you guys over and it's something that I think 12 months ago or 10 months ago the first time I talked to Drew was something I was super skeptical of and now I pretty much firmly believe in it is the Coors effect that when you go on the road the breaking balls I kind of didn't buy into that Mm because In my head, it was also like, wouldn't it, wouldn't the Rockies' pitchers be so, that much better on the road? There was right. there was kind of a mental hurdle there for me, mm-hmm. um, and then I got to enjoy the spoils of DJ here this season. Yes, you did uh, <laughs> that which, changed a lot of mine, was huh? delightful, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pump that card as much as I can <laughs> during this right. uh, because he's obviously such a talented player. His hit tool is you know <clears throat> top tier in Major League Baseball. And I, I guess that's something that I, I'm interested in the book is how hard did you attack that? Because I think I think if you win people over there, that's when you start getting the real Larry Walker argument, where it's like yeah. if, if you get over that mental hurdle where you don't picture Coors Field being the second baseman hitting the home run in the first game, you know, right. was that mile high or Coors? That was mile high, okay. Eric Young. And but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make yes. it simple for you. Yeah.
1: Eric, Eric Young, mile high, Dante Bichette, Coors. Okay, yeah, right. got it. That's...
3: <laughs> okay, I, I've got those now but yeah. I think I think that's the biggest hurdle because yeah. everyone yeah, is going it. everyone's going to picture Coors Field as the hitters park and camp Hampton got torched and yes. you know I, I, I think everyone's got that mental image so once you kind of put that together and you do see the numbers and you, you see someone like Charlie Blackman splits and you're yes. like this doesn't make sense. Right, right. <laughs> it, <laughs> baseball doesn't work like that. Right, you yeah. Surely you he's a better hitter. You can't be one guy in this building yeah. and that guy in another building. Right, when you actually can't. And yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's no,
1: that's, that, that's a great point. And, and 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 there's a section and we were just talking about this. There's a section in the book that's entitled course. Uh just Course, because that's the refrain. Um, and uh, that, and we go into that. And you know, I talked to all these guys, each one of these guys, about what they thought about it and how they looked at it. I'll just give you one. Vinny Castilla said, um, you know, at first I never even thought about it. Vinny Castilla grew up in Oaxaca, Mexico. That's 6,500 feet above sea level. Uh, Played in Mexico City in the Mexican League, you know. Altitude was something that he always played with. Uh, And he comes over here, and, yes, the first few years here, 93, 94, 95, he had some really, really big splits. But then as you go on, he got up over 800 OPS on the road, and he kept getting better. And I think Vinny, part of it for Vinny is he doesn't care. He really doesn't care. Like he, he said, you know, they've been talking about it for 25 years. They're going to talk about it for another 25 years. At first, it, I, I started getting bothered by it because they were not giving us credit. But I'm like, why should it bother me? I'm just, I'm going to play baseball. So um, they all had their ways of dealing with it. Larry Walker's way of dealing with it was 11.72 OPS on the road in '97, with 29 of his 49 <laughs> home runs on the road. I, uh,
3: um, and when on our yeah. talking baseball podcast for. Mm-hmm. Any, any OPS that starts
1: with a one, we go one dot. One dot, that's, that's right. That's what it is, man. One any, dot one. Any yeah. anytime
3: you're over that, Absolutely. you're MVP. And, and that's on the, the road. thing. road. <laughs> and, and, and this was him. This was this was, dealing This was Walker dealing with the core the, the, the,
1: yeah. the, the negative course effect yeah. of going on the road. So I asked him for the book. I said, okay, you're hitting 398 at the all-star break. You have 25 home runs. Your numbers are the same on the road as at home, so it's not even a fluke. Um, type thing at all, and uh, he, I said, what are you thinking when you when you are on July 19th you're at 402? What are you thinking about hitting that in doing this is insane? He said I, and I believed him. You know, some people can say this and you're like, yeah, yeah, right. I believe him. He said um, I just go up there and I think I'm either going to fail or I'm going to succeed. That's it. I don't make anything more of it than that. And I honestly think you know once you once you sit down with them and, and, and talk with them for a while, you see that personality come out. You're like. Yeah, maybe that's what he did. He just went up there like a machine and just like, yeah. what it's one or the other. And, you know, he had one of the all-time great seasons. Uh, well, I'll say one of the greatest seasons in recent memory. There have only been six players who have, who have uh, had 9.8 war, baseball reference war in a season since him in 1997. And before him, only 23 in history. So there have been 30 guys, uh, including Larry Walker, who have ever done that. So that tells you how, how good he was. I mean, he did win MVP on a last-place team.
3: Uh, and, you know, he won MVP because
1: like, he knocked the door down. Right. No, I mean, you was you like, have to vote for Dante X, didn't get say. it the year, in his year. Ellis didn't get it in his year right. in 96. And um, Todd Helton would go on to not get Todd it. Todd Halton would go on to not get it. Larry Walker's <laughs> that's season. That's stupid. That's, that's a yeah, phrase you Jeff, don't Jeff Kent. Todd yeah. Helton
3: would go on to not get did it. To not get it. <laughs> Jeff Kent was not the
1: MVP in two thousand. The that, dumbest that was MVP elderly. of all time. But, um, yeah, so Larry Walker, is he, is he is the only MVP because he, like, you would be embarrassed not to vote for him even with the course thing yeah. because of how ridiculous he was on the road. You could tell all that without advanced stats because people weren't looking at that.
2: Jake, how much do you know about the—because I think everybody kind of knows Walker and then Galarraga and Castilla made their way around the league a little bit more, mm-hmm. so I think more people know about them. I think both Manny and I have become especially attached to Dante Bichette and Ellis Burks because I think they are the ones who maybe most fell victim to this notion that they were Coors products. Right. I'm just curious how much you know, Bichette was maybe the more famous one, but Ellis Burks in particular. Do you think back and go, man, that guy was good, or do you have to like double check the number? I'll admit I had to double check yep. the numbers that you pointed yeah, to. Yeah, I'm
3: not. I'm not going to come in with Ellis Burke stats. I, I right. kind of wish I did now, so I'd be like, be, "Hey, yeah. you like this?" I, I kind of know what I'm talking about. No, I mean uh, the image in my head is kind of the the older lumbering Ellis Burks a little bit, kind of like Cleveland Indians. He started and then he kind of went into some DH days. So I don't have like I don't have the image of young Ellis Burks and what that looked like. But I know by the time I was watching TV and inundated with baseball, whenever I saw him. The way people talked about Ellis Burks, I was like, yeah. Like, the, yeah. this guy's a baseball player. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't have the good image of Ellis Burks, the, the Rockies. Didn't he? he used to play a little center field, too? And well,
1: yeah, Ellis Burks, um, El- Ellis Burks was the next Willie Mays for the Red Sox. That's what they thought of him. He had every tool. He was uh, wiry strong. Uh, he could run. He could throw. He could hit. He could hit for big power, big power. And, uh, you know, they bring him up, and, you know, he just starts getting hurt. He was a 2020 guy. Boston, the, that, that generation of fans in Boston had never seen the 2020 guy virtually. Yeah, Strimsky did it once, you know. Um, it's like they were a station-to-station team, and it's moved the line. And Ellis Burst comes in here, goes 20 runs, 27 steals or whatever, and um, 15 outfield, assi- uh, outfield assists. Um, he was, he was Mookie, people still, he says people still send him letters saying, Mookie Betts reminds me of you so much when you came up. And uh, the injuries, the, the tragedy in his career is the, are so many injuries. I mean, you could have one of those, like, you remember them? I don't know if you guys ever saw the Mickey Mantle, um, you know, big Mickey Mantle page where he's on crutches and he's like got a grimace on his face and they got all, pointing to every little malady that he's ever had. You could do that with Ellis Burks. Ellis Burks, here, here's what, here's what can tell you a lot about Ellis Burks. He went to the Giants after he was here. He was traded to the Giants in '98, mid-season. Good story about that when Curtis Goodwin came out to center field to tell him he was traded. I'll leave it. I'll leave. I'll leave it at that. It's a really good story. Um, but yeah, he comes off the field in, in the middle of the game at, at Wrigley Field. They tell him he's traded to the Giants. He goes there, and he for two straight years he had 96 runs batted in. RBIs are not a, Are not a. all all-encom- an, an all-encompassing stat, but the fact. They, 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 they can show you something when it's a, a situation a like this. I don't like when people When you have, down RBIs. When, so. you have, when you have 400 or fewer at-bats and you have 100 RBIs. That's, yeah. that's never happened in the National League, at least until that point. I don't know if it has sense. No matter
2: where you're hitting and what lineup, he that's ridiculous. He had
1: 96 in less than 400 at-bats in 1999 and 2000 for the Giants. And so if you think about it, this guy and his war, and he only played in like 125 games. His war was only behind Kent Bonds. Put up a
2: 4.4 war that year. He hit three forty four on base, four nineteen How many games did he play? Slugged six oh six. He played in 122 games. 122 games.
1: games. He for missed 40 games, yeah. and he produced a 4.5 war. Yeah. Um, so you, this guy was incredible. You know, and talking to him, it's very hard to kind of keep bringing it up because it's like that's a big part of this book, and you got to keep bringing it up. You could have been. You could have been. You could have been. You know, he's great about it, but it's still like one of those things where um, this guy, Larry Walker – not for the injuries. He's an all-time great already. Not for the injuries. We're talking one of the greatest, I mean, like inner circle Hall of Famers. Ellis Burks was going to be that guy if he hadn't missed, you know, half his career, you know, due to injury. 44.7 um,
2: FWAR over a injury-riddled career. Yes. A career 125 WRC plus. Mm-hmm. That year in 96 when he was in MVP contention, hit 344 on base 408, slugged 639 with 40 home runs and 32 stolen bases. While also being seen as a plus defender in center field, which I've never seen fan rate a plus yeah, defender in amazing. center field for the Colorado Rockies. The other thing like too is
1: that you consider that Nolan Arenado Nolan Arenado's um, career high in uh W or, um WRC plus. It's, like it's like one thirty two. It's like one thirty yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Ellis was one fifty one then. One fifty one. Larry was one seventy eight in ninety no. right. seven. Um we are talking about the, those were two the two best Rocky seasons of all time. Yep. That's what they were. So that's the thing. The Blake Street Bombers are are kind of, I mean, they're remembered here. uh, They're beloved here. But as far as the wider world of baseball, I don't think people really look back and say, and really know all that much about them. And, you know, this whole project came about because I was doing something else with Dante the Sabre book chapter. And at the end, it was so, it's fun talking to him because he just, he's a baseball geek. He loves talking about it. He taught Bo everything, you know. So obviously now we're seeing that on display. You know some stuff. Yeah. And so, I said, that's going to be fun in a couple of years yeah.
2: inside that yeah. division. Just, oh a, t- just look, it's the 90s yeah. all over again. Right. That's going to have to be
1: dealing with that. Um, baby the Baby Jays, the Baby, baby, boomer, uh, baby uh, Bombers over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby yeah. Boomers, I was about to say. <laughs> uh, but that's not the. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a whole we'd other You'd have sense. to go back yeah. to Vegeta's. <laughs> <and>, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so, uh, you know, Dante, I asked him, like, I haven't seen a Blake Street Bombers book. Are you kidding me? Why haven't I seen one of those? And it's got, that has to be one. Ooh. And I looked and couldn't find When I asked him if anybody had approached him. He's like, nobody has. I'm like, this, is un- this needs to be rectified. Yeah. And um, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. And I think that the, their story needed to be told, not just those Blake Street Bombers years. We go back to childhood. We go back to Dante watching Reggie Jackson hit a home run in Game 7 and asking his mom, what is, what is that? Yeah. What, it was actually, it was an easy day. What is that? Oh, what is wow. going on and why? Sorry. All he could remember <laughs> was they had to all wait for him to run the bases and watch him. And he said, what is that? And it's like, she's like, they're baseball players. They get paid to do that. And he said, they get paid to do that? And he's nine years old. And he's like, I fell in love with home runs. That was my thing from then on. So it starts in their childhood, each one, and it goes all the way to what they're doing now. So it's a comprehensive thing. And so it's, um, it, it's been fun to write, and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun to read too. Mr. Zera, man, should have been
2: could have been hitting home runs out there right oh, well, now. Oh, he's gonna get to watch uh, Bo do it. He, but. he would have he
1: would have hit 50 home runs here.
2: So you talked to everyone but Galarraga for the book? Is that right? Did you end up getting a chance?
1: Didn't but, no? But I all mean, the
2: the rest of the guys. I got all the, the other four
1: guys. Um, talked to um, a lot of other people who were you know ancillary to this whole thing. Um, 95 NLD. 95 is the longest chapter, for obvious reasons, because the Blake Street Bombers were born in 95. They reached the postseason in the third year. People of existence. forget that happened. Yes, I sometimes it, forget it, they it went remains, to the postseason in the 90s. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, it remains the uh, fastest any, any expansion team has ever reached the postseason in mm-hmm. the third year. Um, and you know what? And this will be very evident in the book. And, and that's why I talked to John Smoltz. I talked to some other people about this about how close the Rockies were. To go into the NLCS that year because they they were ahead here late, blew it late, ahead in the ninth inning in Game Two here, blew it late, um, won Game Three at Atlanta, and then lost Game Four. I mean, think about it, they they could have they could have won that series two. See, games the two.
2: bullpen has always been a problem. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, well, that
1: bullpen was really good this season. I know they were. incredible. Yeah. they were the
2: reason they got
1: there. They were just tired, I think. I mean. Part of it is that 144 game season, they were able to stay a little more fresh yeah. and they were good. And they, you know, the starters got hit hard. They would hold the line. And it's course field it pre-humidor. I mean, these do guys so much. knew they were going to come back. They had a lot of comeback victories. And when they got to the postseason and played the Braves, John Smoltz said, we were really, really worried. Like it was you can you can go back and watch those games. I think on the MLB channel they have the game one of that series, NLDS. And you can watch Bobby Cox and just kind of when they pan over to him, just look at his face, you know, um, and look at how how, uh, you know, he always gets animated. He, I think he still has a record for ejections, right. right. But he got I mean really, really animated and even kind of like furrowing the brow, like a concern that my, this call went the wrong way because it could cost us. And, um, you know, they were right there. They were right there. And they uh, that's a big part of this book, too, is getting in the way of like a dynasty. I, if you, will, consider if winning you the win, national let's say, league, say you win like the National League. Well, they series. would have played the Reds. The, the Braves went on to sweep the Reds, right? <laughs> the <laughs> Braves went on to sweep the Reds. Um, the Rockies, if they beat the Braves and they have a couple of home games here, you've got to believe that they would have given the Reds a decent series, yeah. if nothing else. There is not, we've seen crazier things in baseball than that sort of team and what they did that year, reached the World Series. And imagine if they did that in their third year. You know, imagine what would have happened with this franchise. Going forward, you would probably not have a situation where three fifths of them are gone by 99 um, when Dan O'Dowd comes in here. And, you know, Dan, he was all about young and athletic, and Jeff Cirillo was the answer, you know, to everything. And I don't remember. That didn't work out. <laughs> no. Uh, I and did
2: copy his batting stance in Little League. Oh, well, there you Thanks, go. Dan O'Dowd. <laughs> uh,
1: Did you see him in the press box earlier when he was a scout now? Did you see him? No. You should have gone up and told him that. Oh, yeah. He might yeah. be back. Might be back. But, anyways, um, you know, th- this, this is a. You know, Dante was traded for guys who either played one year with the Rockies or and, and, and got traded or signed elsewhere or retired. They got nothing, virtually nothing yeah. back for him. They got virtually nothing for Vinny Castilla. Yeah. And Vinny Castilla hit 35 home runs when he came back here in 2003. Right, right, right. You know, so, yeah. so, yeah, there's a lot to this story. Um, and that's why it's a 350 ish page book. So it's going to, you know, it, it, it gets into everything. You know, stats are going to be a big part of it for obvious reasons. last chapter is Walker for Hall of Fame and why. But everything else is um, stories about, you know, Ellis Burks charging Nolan Ryan, you know, and stuff like that. Really good stuff. I've
3: I've got a question about 95. Yes. Um, Because you mentioned, I mean, when you mentioned the 90s Braves, that's kind of the, that's the National League team of the 90s. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, When that 95 Rockies team, third year expansion, Mm -hmm. Blake Street Bombers, were they kind of like... Were they playing with house money? Did they feel like they belong? Like when those guys talk about that yeah. team, is it like, we, we didn't care who was on the mound, or was it like, "Hey, let's swing the sticks," because yeah we as well? Or I, I don't know. I guess Yeah, that's,
1: I, that's, that's good. I, I think that they were m- somewhere in the middle, but more toward the latter um, um, attitude wow. that you mentioned, which is you know, when they went into the season, to a man, they all said, we weren't expecting a postseason mm. uh, run. So, when you get to that point where they were leading the Dodgers by like six games at the break that year, they were actually, you know, they had a real, they only finished, I think, two games back to the Dodgers, you know, to win a, uh, and, and we know what, what happened after that. Still haven't won a, a division title, you know, mm-hmm. in their history. But um, I think they were playing, felt like they were playing a little bit with house money. But I also think that once they got, yeah. after, after going down 2 0, yeah. that hurt. That really hurt yeah. them. Because had they gone up, even split, split. one, and then you win one in Atlanta. Yeah. That game that Smoltz started, Castillo homered off of him, uh, Eric Young homered off of him. I mean, it was there were it was happening. Um, and uh, let's say you go up 2 one and you got two shots to close out the Braves. Dante hit a three-run shot off Madison the next day. So like, I mean, that's a great story too. And the pressure I would be fully on Atlanta on Atlanta because and that's the other thing Smoltz said that no people don't get just how much pressure there was. It yeah. was excessive it, because we were going to be the Buffalo Bills in the 90s of right? Right. Uh, uh, baseball, right? right. Because we had already lost some new World Se- uh, two World Series and then lost to the Phillies in 93. So um, it was definitely a um, it was a really interesting time in
2: this. For you young kids it's like what yeah, the Dodgers right. are doing. <laughs> <laughs> for it, for it. You, it's, a, right. it's
1: a really interesting thought. i got to go, but yeah, hey, thank you gonna, for having me, guys. It's great to have yeah, you, Manny, too.
2: thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the podcast right now, so thanks for that. Again, you can find his book, The Blake Street Bombers, on Amazon, all that other place. Stay tuned for uh, when we're going to be doing book signings and gatherings and you events. You all can come out, meet Manny, meet me if you want, I guess, whatever. Uh, get a book, get it signed. It's He's a far a, more interesting guy. Than <laughs> it's going to be a whole lot of fun, so uh thanks like i said we're going to wrap up this episode for now i do think we're going to come back and do another one with our guy jake here in a minute for those of you live be back around for that if. You would like to. If you don't, well, then don't. You yeah. Do what you want. <laughs> Live your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out our friends at Blake Street Tavern. You order some Breckenridge Brew when you come down here. You're following us on all the social media stuff. And that uh, you just continue to be absolutely awesome and enjoy your baseball out there. We'll continue to be Manny Rondawa, Jake Story, and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.
0: Hey, guys. I was just sitting here talking to Lindsay about Total Bev's new app. It's incredible. You can shop 5,000 different wines, 2,000 beers, 3,500 spirits, anytime, anywhere. Better yet, you can have Total Beverage shop for you and pick it up inside prepaid and waiting for you. Wait a second. That is so cool. So can I still get it delivered if I use the app? Absolutely, I know you guys have heard of their delivery service. Total Beverage will deliver to your house within 90 minutes or less. We can even save you 10 bucks on a purchase of 50. Use promo code totally10 at checkout. What's also amazing BSN fam, if you can't find an item you want, Total Bev will give you suggestions of similar items on the shelf. Or you can request a special item right from your phone. It really doesn't get much better than that. Remember, use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout to save. That's T-O-T-A-L-L-Y 10.